Good morning. I brought an illustration. Luke is my Vanna White. Well, anyways, thanks for having me. It's really good to be here. Um, I'm privileged to cover for Ken as he gets to get away and rest. Uh, as you can see, uh, I'm on the screen. So uh, we did that because I shaved this morning. So we just wanted to up close and personal so you guys can see that. No, this, so uh, I've got this illustration here I'm going to be using. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be sharing the gospel, and uh, that's going to be the sermon. But we'll be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41. So you can turn with me there if you would like to. Again, it is my privilege to be here. Um, typically on Sundays, I'm out preaching at another church, Lake Roosevelt Bible Church in Seven Days, Washington. So I'm glad to be here. Um, and, uh, and I work here during the week with Ken on a lot of administrative things. I'm an assistant pastor, uh, covering for different guys when they need help. So this has been a busy week for me. Acts chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 41 this morning. 14 through 41. Go ahead and stand with me if you'd like. Remember, we do that here. We'll stand together, read the word of God. Verses 14 through 41. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the, great, uh, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, and that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God 
has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let us pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for this word to us, and we pray, God, that you would uh, speak through me, Lord, that you would help me with my words, that they would be yours, inspired by your spirit, God, and that you would open our hearts and our minds to, to receive the things you have for us today, that we would be spurred on to love and good deed, that we would be your disciples uh, more and more, looking like your son Jesus every single day. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, you may be seated. So again, I've got this illustration, and so I'm going to be moving sometimes from my place of comfort behind this thing that I can maybe hide behind over here into a strange land, sort of like Abraham, where God has called me to. So I'll be going back and forth, and we have uh, the cameras here so that we can maybe see this better if you can't see it. Hopefully you can see it all right. Um, but, but we're going to be explaining the gospel today, the good news of Jesus Christ. And sometimes, as a Christian, I don't know if you've noticed this, or if it's just me, but you'll be going about your business, uh, people will strike up a conversation, or you'll be in conversation, and they'll ask, so, you know, what'd you do this weekend? And you're like, oh, I went to church, you know, you, you might be a little embarrassed. And they're like, church, so what's your church all about? And you're like, oh, um, and all of a sudden, the story of God is so big, right? There's so many pages, there's thousands of pages in here, and you're like, oh, it, and, and you don't know what to say. Has anybody else experienced that? You, you don't know what to say, and you just, you feel like you're a failure, like you failed Jesus, um, and, and you're like, man, it's got to be easier than that, right? It's gotta, it should be easy to explain what Jesus has done. So what I want to do for, for us today is give you a tool, something you can use in your tool belt, uh, a, a, a something that you can do even at home, something you can do when you're out getting coffee with somebody, using things that you have at home. So I'm not, you know, this isn't alcohol out here, so don't worry, we're not drunk as you suppose, just as we read this morning. Uh, this is grape juice. No, sorry, it's apple juice. It's apple juice. I haven't drank it yet. Um, and then I've got cups, and I've got a salt and pepper shaker, and I've got uh, a pen. So just stuff that you got laying around home. Maybe something you'd have if you were out at uh, Sherry's or Denny's. Um, but I've got this illustration. It's not my illustration. I borrowed it from a friend uh, from Denmark. His name is Torben. And um, it, should be, it should be a help. So you can use it. It'll solidify the way that you get to explain the gospel to people. So we're going we're gonna to explain the gospel. We're going to unpack it a little bit. But we've got to start in the beginning. We've got to start in the beginning because we just sort of jumped into Acts chapter 2 here. We just jumped in to Peter preaching a message to a bunch of people who were curious as to what was going on. What is going on here? Why are these people, they're speaking in weird tongues, something's going on, this is different, it's not your normal Monday at the market. Um, what's going on? It's nine in the morning, have these guys been drinking all night long? Are they just still drunk from last night? I, I don't know, what's happening here? And so, so we're going to start at the beginning, we're going to start in creation, and I'm going to wander on over here. 
and we're going to start with this illustration here. So uh, in the beginning, there was God. So we'll just say that this is God, okay? So it's a pitcher. It's full of this liquid. Uh, this is God. So there was God in the beginning, and God created everything in six days, okay? Created everything in six days, uh, and it was perfect. There was no sin. There was nothing wrong with it. Uh, it was glorious, uh, and he was powerful. He's powerful enough to do that. Uh, some people would object with me, but I tend to cast my lot in with Jesus Christ, who I'm going to stand before, who's the judge of every single man, uh, and take him at his word, right? So God created everything in six days, and in this place, he placed man. So we got cups. I got a, several cups here, but he placed man. Let's say Adam. He created Adam, and he was with Adam, and they walked together. They were side by side. They lived together, and, um, and it was a good relationship. Man was, man was open to God. Uh, man knew God, uh, and man loved God. Uh, and in that garden, God placed two different trees. So he placed, he placed the tree of life, and he placed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So two different trees. And he instructed the man, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So don't disobey me, because when you disobey me, you will surely die. Uh, and this is what sin does. Sin is death. A lot of people think, sin, that's, my sin isn't that bad, or I'm basically a good person, uh, but sin leads to death. Sin leads to death. This is what the Bible teaches us. This is what our Lord teaches us. Um, and so what, is, what does also this knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil do? It creates for man an opportunity to choose. It creates for man free choice. To choose, to obey God, to love him. It also creates the ability to choose to disobey God, to not love him. And we know that love, which is true love, love which is sincere love, is that which is of free will. Um, so my wife, she loves me not because I made her love me, right? She loves me because she chose to love me. If I, you know, had a gun up to her head and said, you will love me, marry me, and she married me, we would all know that it's a sham, right? It's a sham because she did not freely choose it. And so in the same way, God gave man a choice to love God or not. And one day uh, in the garden, uh, man was there with his wife, and uh, they listened to a voice that said, you don't, have to, you don't have to obey God. You can eat from that tree, and you, wouldn't, you won't die. Sin won't lead to death, right? And that's, a, that's something that we hear people say today even, maybe not in those words. What I'm doing here really isn't that bad. You can do it and get away with it. You can do it, and you'll be fine. But so they listened to this snake, this snake which was serpent, uh, which was Satan, and uh, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they ate from that tree, they became closed off to God. Sin entered into them, their destiny became death, and they were closed off to God. And it was a tragic day. Man also became ashamed. Man realized he was naked. Interestingly enough, you know, humans clothed themselves. What other animals clothed themselves? Pomeranians don't count here, Okay. Um, so, because we're ashamed of our nakedness, we're ashamed of our sin. And so, man was closed off to God, man was ashamed, man was guilty, and God uh, said to himself, we shouldn't let the man eat from the tree of life and live forever with this problem, this division between God and man, this, this closed offness between God and man, 
So let's remove him from the garden and place a separation between him so that man uh, shall not come and eat of the tree of life and we'll have this problem forever. So we've got man separated from the garden. We've got man separated from God and man is alone and away from him. Uh, but God promised, God promised in the, gar- in the garden after man sinned that uh, one day there would be an offspring of the woman, an offspring was singular, and it was interesting because generally the offspring, you trace it through the man, but this is of Eve, the woman. So there's going to be an offspring, a singular offspring of woman who is going to crush the serpent's head uh, and reverse that which was lost. So he would take away sin uh, and defeat death once and for all. So Adam and Eve, closed off to God, uh, start having kids, and the first kid they have, you know, was Cain, and they were excited. Uh, Cain means, I've, you know, I've gotten myself a man. Uh, so Eve says, ha, we got him. We got, this is the guy, right? This is going to be the man. We're excited. He's going to take away the sins of the world. Uh, but, but we know Cain's story, right? We know Cain's story. We know Abel's story. Uh, we know what Cain and Abel eventually did to each other. Cain thought, uh, as a man, that he could earn his way to God. Um, Cain, uh, one day, uh, God, sorry, one day, uh, <clears throat> Cain and Abel brought sacrifice to God. They brought some, some fruit to the Lord. Uh, Cain brought some works from, the, from his field, some things that he had worked hard for, some things he had uh, done with his own hands, brought some vegetables, some fruits, brought them before the Lord, offered it. Abel, on the other hand, brought... Uh, fat portions from his flock. Uh, he, brought, he brought blood. And the Lord looked with favor upon Abel, but with disfavor upon Cain. Uh, the Lord rejected Cain's offering. Why? Because, because sin brings death. Sin brings death. And uh, the, life of, the life of man is in, in blood, in the blood. Life is in the blood. And so, there must be a shedding, of, a shedding of blood, which is a picture of death, for sin to be atoned for. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, there is no forgiveness of sin. So Cain brings this offering of his hands, vegetables and fruit, but there's no blood, therefore it's not able to take away sin, therefore God rejects it. Okay, you tracking with me? Uh, and, and he became so angry with his brother because his brother's uh, was accepted because is what God asked for, it was blood that he went out and murdered his brother. And so Adam and Eve, uh, they worked to, to produce a son. Uh, Cain worked to bring things to God. Uh, and in the end, it, we're in a no better place than we started from. The works of man, the works of our hands, uh, will not get us back into proper relationship with God. It won't. So we're still stuck here. But uh, so, so Cain was removed from the uh, from the land, and he became a wanderer. So Adam and Eve, they started having more and more kids. All right, let's get a lot of kids out here. They started having more and more kids, but it turned out that those kids uh, were full of sin, just like Adam and Eve. They had this genetic trait of sin, uh, which brought sickness, it brought illness, there was depression, there was suicide, there was envy, anger, strife, malice, fighting amongst each other, death, and war all the things we still have today. 
they had then. And uh, at one time, God became so sick of what he saw that he said, I'm just going to take one man, Noah, one righteous guy, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him out, and I'm going to remove everybody else. So we think to ourselves, perhaps there was something wrong with creation. Perhaps there was something wrong with the earth. If we just uh, start with one guy, a good guy, a good man, and just wipe out everything else, just, we'll just start over, cleanse the whole earth. Maybe the problem is in the earth. So God does that, brings a flood, takes everybody else off, starts again with Noah, and says, and we, we think, okay, maybe with this fresh start, it'll be good, right? But it's not. First thing Noah does is he gets off, and he gets drunk, right? We read. He gets drunk, and he's laying out there, and he's got kids, and they've got kids, and again, we see that they are still closed off to God. Still closed off to God. They're still sinners. There's still a problem there. There's fighting, there's malice, there's envy, there's strife, there's death, there's war, there's suicide, there's depression. Uh, there's all these things that still hindered man. Why? The problem wasn't with creation. The problem was with man. Man was closed off to God. So, we're here. Uh, we've got this problem. Um, and we think to ourselves, maybe, maybe it's because we're not organized enough. Maybe if we become better organized, maybe if we have the, all the laws and all the things of God written down for us, maybe then uh, we could figure it out. And so uh, God chooses uh, a man, and, and he chooses a man uh, named Moses through whom he brought the law of God. And, and through Moses, he brings both the instruction of God, which is the law, and he brings uh, a more formal way of performing animal sacrifice, uh, which is the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. And so, okay, so we have a more organized way uh, of looking at God's law. Uh, we've got a more organized way of shedding blood for sacrifice. Perhaps now, uh, this is the very thing we needed. Maybe we get organized, and that'll, that'll fix our problem. But it didn't. It didn't fix our problem. Uh, because the law because the law just showed us how sinful we really were. The law explained to us uh, how deep the problem really is and how powerless we were. The law was powerless to bring life to us. The law just shows us where we fail. Uh, so we got the Ten Commandments, uh, and then even Jesus, when he came, he explained how the law is just, it goes beyond the external things that we do with our hands uh, where God actually judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart, and he weighs us by the things we do internally. So the law was powerless to take away sin, really, and they did these animal sacrifices, but the blood of a human, uh, as the, the pinnacle of creation, God, when God created everything, man was made in his image, in his creation. He was the pinnacle of creation. Uh, his blood is precious and valuable, and the blood of an animal is not as precious and valuable. So there was always the shedding of blood over and over and over and over again. And as the Bible tells us, uh, the blood of goats and bulls is never going to be enough to take away the sin of man. Uh, there has to be blood that's precious enough for man. Either the man dies for his own sins, or there must be another man, a spotless offering that dies for him. So the law wasn't able to take away our sin. It just showed us how sinful we really were. 
the sacrifice was an act of futility. We did these animal sacrifices over and over and over and over again, uh, and it never accomplished what we wanted it to accomplish, which was bringing us back into full communion with God. So, here we are. Um, to this day, uh, there's still a problem with sin, uh, but uh, God did do something to remedy this situation. Uh, man couldn't do it on his own. There wasn't anything r- wrong with the creation necessarily. We tried to start clean with a new creation through Noah. Uh, that didn't help because the problem was still with man. Uh, we tried to get organized with the law. That didn't work. Uh, Cain and Abel, or Cain and his parents tried to produce among themselves uh, the righteousness uh, by their hands, and that didn't work either. Um, so we've got all these problems, and I w- we wonder, man, will this always be the case? And we go through uh, the, old, the whole Old Testament, and over and over and over again, uh, we see that the people of God fail, that God raises up a Savior-type figure, but then they fail, and they fail, and they fail, and they fail, and eventually they're taken off into captivity, and they have a weak nation, uh, a dismal display of nationality and a powerless life uh, against sin and death. Death still reigned. Uh, so, uh, God knew what he was doing, as we read in the passage this morning. He had uh, foreknowledge and foresight. Uh, nothing happened without his, his knowledge. Uh, so, he, through the woman, sent his singular offspring his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. So, and Jesus Christ lived in this world, and he was open to God. He had no sin in his life. Uh, He didn't inherit this from Adam because he did not have an earthly father, so he didn't inherit sin. So he was without sin. He didn't do any sin his entire life. He obeyed his parents. He paid his taxes. uh, He did his chores. Um, he, he did everything required by the law. And when he was 30 years old, he went down to the river and was baptized, and he received there the Spirit of God. So we're just going to pour this in there. He received the Spirit of God. And when he received the Spirit of God, uh, then began his ministry. Then he went around, and he, he went around, and he was preaching you know, good news, that the kingdom of God is near. He went around to, to all sorts of men, uh, pre- preaching, teaching in their synagogues. He went around healing people. He went around casting out demons uh, because he had the Spirit of God and he had power uh, and approval from God. So this is what Jesus came to do. And he had a handful of disciples uh, who he, he taught and he showed how to do these things, but they weren't as good at it as him. Uh, because they were waiting one day to be full of the Spirit of God as well. But, um, as we read in the passage earlier, uh, there were jealous men uh, who were angry and upset with him because people flocked to him. People came to Jesus. He was hanging out with sinners. He was hanging out with tax collectors. He was hanging out with the wrong crowd. uh, And all sorts of people were coming to him. And there were men who were jealous of him uh, and couldn't stand him. And Jesus often had uh, scuffles with them over matters of the law and the Sabbath and whatnot. Uh, And so they were angry. And so one day they decided to kill him. And they convinced uh, one of his disciples who had been possessed by Satan, uh, Judas Iscariot, uh, they convinced him 
to, uh, to betray Jesus, and so Jesus was betrayed, but this was all according to God's foreknowledge. And Jesus was taken, and he went willingly to the cross. He, went, he was flogged, he was beaten, uh, he was insulted, he was mocked, he was spat upon. And he went down uh, to, up to the cross where he died, where his, his blood was poured out for us, uh, and then he was buried and then he brought, came back to life. On the third day, he was raised from the tomb. Because uh, he was without sin, death could not have no hold on him. If we, if we remember, uh, death is a result of sin, like in the garden, when God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will die. So sin produces death, but Jesus, because he had no sin, death had no hold on him. So God raised him from the dead. Back to life on the third day. And Jesus appeared to many disciples, many of his disciples, even on, on the road to Emmaus, uh, he appeared to some disciples, and they were depressed, they were mourning because Jesus had died, right? Jesus was crucified, and they were hoping that this guy would be the Messiah, the, the promised one who God would send to restore man back to proper relationship with God, to restore that which was lost. And uh, but they, So they were depressed, they were sad because Jesus was dead, they hadn't known or realized that he'd raised himself from the dead, and Jesus came to him, he appeared to them, and, uh, and Jesus asked them, why are, you guys, why are you so sad, why are you mourning? And they said, well, don't you know, are you the only one, are you so ignorant, you don't know what's transpired this weekend, that Jesus was killed? And so then Jesus had to explain to them how the whole Bible, all the Old Testament, had been pointing to God's provision of an offspring that would take away the sin of the world, that he had to die to bear the sins of man, and he had to be raised to life again, too, the resurrection, so that there could be a spotless offering for man, blood poured out for man. Through one man, sin, Adam, came into the world, so also through one man, sin is taken away. Uh, so Jesus began, began to explain to these disciples uh, how all of the Bible is pointing towards the provision of Jesus and what he was going to accomplish. And, and then Jesus you know, disappeared, and they were so excited. They went back and told the, all the apostles. And Jesus appeared to his, his apostles over a period of 40 days. And then on the 40th day, um, he ascended to God, and now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Jesus is preparing a place for us uh, with his own hands, Oftentimes we spend so much time preparing our own homes or whatever so that it can be comfortable for us, but Jesus is preparing for us a home, a place that will last forever. It's not going to fall apart. It's not shoddy craftsmanship or anything. It is good, and he's preparing that place, and he's always at the right hand of the Father uh, interceding for us. And so Jesus went back to the Father, but he told his disciples, his apostles, to wait in, in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Wait for the filling of the Spirit of God. So they were, they were together, and they were praying, and they were waiting, and they were praying, and they were waiting, and then suddenly it was like tongues of fire came upon them, uh, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on that group of believers, those apostles and disciples, and they started speaking in all sorts of tongues of all the world and heavenly tongues, and, and people were blown away. Right? People were blown away. What, what is this? Are they drunk? 
Um, and, and then Peter gets up in front of all of them and explains how, uh, how this was foretold by God, uh, that God would pour out his, his spirit on all people. If you, do you guys remember in Moses, uh, the days of Moses, uh, he had a, a young disciple named Joshua who he was teaching, uh, teaching the trade of leading the Israelites. And one day Joshua went into the promised land as a warrior and a conqueror. But uh, there was one time when, when the Lord poured out his spirit on all the elders and there was some dissension between the elders and some of the elders weren't uh, with them in the camp because they stayed home because there was some dissension. And God even poured out his spirit on those elders. And so Joshua was, was jealous because it's us versus them sort of thing. And, and Joshua was jealous and came to Moses and said, these guys are speak, are, have the Holy Spirit and they're prophesying and these things. And Moses says, I wish all people would prophesy, all God's people. I wish they could all have the Spirit of God in them. And even as Joel said in the last days, God will pour out his Spirit on all men. So this is, this is what we were looking for. This is what we were hoping for, is that one day God would pour out his spirit, just as he did with his disciples, his apostles. He poured out his spirit on them. And now they had power, they had authority, they had the gift of God to do the ministry of God and the work of God, just as the Son of God, Jesus, had done. And so Peter explains to the Israelites what's going on. He explains to them how this is the promised Holy Spirit uh, the thing that Moses was hoping for, the thing that was promised through Joel the prophet, that God in the last days is pouring out his spirit. Men and women, it's not just for the rich. It's not just for the people who know the scripture really well, that God pours out his spirit on all people. It's not for pastors or priests, or it's not for people who attend a certain amount of church services. It's for all people who would receive the gift of God. They can receive it and do the work and look just like Jesus. They can be full of the Spirit and look just like Jesus doing his work. So, so Peter explains to them how they had, it was the Israelites who, with the help of evil, wicked men, had crucified the Lord Jesus. Those sinners, it was the sin of mankind that crucified, willingly crucified Jesus Christ. And, uh, and this, this message that Jesus had done this for them and they crucified him, uh, and they were at odds with God, struck them to the heart. Right? It cut them to the heart. It cut them to the soul. The people listening to Peter as he was explaining to them thought to themselves, ah, you know, what do we do? What, what do we do now? What do we do with this message? What do we do when we're presented with the reality that we are, we're separated from God and we're supposed to look like Jesus? We're supposed to receive the Spirit of God. We're supposed to have a new heart. We're supposed to be born again. What do I do if I'm upside down in this life. We know that it's, you can't just work hard to get it. That didn't work uh, back for Cain. Uh, we know that it's not about getting organized. We know it's not about rearranging the stuff in your house. It's not a, it, it doesn't have to do with creation or getting organized like, uh, like with the law. What do we do? Uh, and so there's people out there. Uh, even today, there might be people out there, uh, and there's people out there in this world, like, what do we do? What do I do to get right with God? Uh, and Peter gives us three simple things. Three simple things. He tells us, number one, that you have to repent. Number two, you have to be baptized. And number three, you have to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So none of those things are hard, <laughs> though they're really hard, because 
to repent, you have to, you have to admit that my, my former way of living, the things that I thought were okay, the things that I thought, oh, that's not, you know, that, my sin really isn't that bad, or I'm basically a good person, you have to give that up. You have to say, I actually, I am a sinner, and I have to repent, which is a turning of 180 degrees of lifestyle. I have to turn to God the Father and be open to Him. And when we repent, we receive a new heart. God gives us, when we formerly had a heart of stone, He gives us a heart of flesh when we repent and turn to Him. And then, so, so we repent, we receive a new heart inside of us, uh, but we also, we, we have to be baptized. We have to be baptized. Uh, we, we must be baptized. Jesus instructed at the end of Matthew in chapter 28 to go into all the world um, and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So baptism, just from Peter, is like, you know, step number one to obedience of God. It's you have to be baptized. And there's many people who think you have to take a, a class or you have to work yourself up to a certain level of being a Christian before you can be baptized. But if you understand the gospel and, and its implications and you, you want to repent and turn to Jesus and accept that his blood can cover all of your sins and you can be washed clean and you can be made right with God, if you understand that and you want that and you've repented, then you be baptized. And that's okay. And it doesn't have to be Pastor Ken to baptize you. It doesn't have to be Pastor Drew. It doesn't have to be an elder or a deacon. It's just somebody. And you don't need a certificate that says you've been baptized because your certificate ought to be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, you just need to be baptized, baptized in water. And some people say, well, you know, baptism, it's, that's not a salvation issue. Like, you don't need to be baptized to be saved. But that's kind of a foolish thing to say, um, and I'll explain why. It's like saying, you don't need to obey Jesus to be saved, right? Because if Jesus says we need to be baptized, it's a matter of obedience. So if somebody says, you don't need to obey Jesus to be saved, you would say, what? <laughs> what do you mean you don't need to obey Jesus? It would be, it, it's like saying, you, you can beat your wife and still be saved. What? What are you talking about? You know, you can, I can be, I can be uh, in, into pornography and all sorts of sexual immorality and, I, and be saved. What? <laughs> what do you mean? Didn't you die to sin? <laughs> Didn't you die to sin? The sin which separated you from God? It doesn't, doesn't the cross of Jesus Christ, when he was put on the cross for my sin to undo the thing which separated me from God, doesn't that have any power in my life? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So, we, we must be baptized. So that's like step number one of living a life for Jesus. Accepting him, repenting, and being baptized. It's like step number one. So, but what is baptism? Some people think it's an archaic thing that we don't practice anymore, but it is something we actually do. It's, it's something in which we identify with Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus Christ was crucified and killed and went down into death and then was raised again by God. So we say, I, I am going to become a new man. I'm a new, I'm a new man. I, my sin has been crucified with Christ. 
And it's no longer I who live, it's Christ living in me. And so we crucify the old man, and it's sort of like a washing and a burial at the same time. We bury the old man, we bury the sins of the past, and we're washed clean and made new. And we come out of the water, we're raised with Christ new. Open to God, available to him. And then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we repent, we're baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we become, like, we become more and more like Jesus. And as we obey him, and as we uh, seek his face, and as the Spirit moves in our lives, we become looking more and more like him. The word of God is readily on our tongue. The Spirit of God leads us. We are able to pray with people. We're able to see people healed. We are able to cast out demons. We're able to do all these things because we have the same Spirit of God living and dwelling inside of us. We, become, we can go around, we can preach the good news, we can teach others, we can exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit because we have the Spirit of God in us. So this is good news. Um, but eventually we know, uh, that this, we, we know that this world is still full of sin, we know this world is still full of death, uh, so the good news doesn't end just here. It doesn't end just here with us receiving Jesus, with, with us receiving the Holy Spirit. The good news ends with Jesus restoring all things, making everything new. With that, that initial creation when man was with God uh, and everything was perfect, we know that God is creating a new heaven and a new earth, that this earth and all the things of this world are going to be passing away. It's going to be consumed in fire. They're going to go away, and God's going to have something special for us who have believed and trusted in him, have received his spirit, and become his children who have been born again. So in the end, uh, when all these things are done, when God is done with this world, there's going to be a resurrection of the, of the, the good and, and the evil, those who have trusted in Jesus and those who have not. Uh, and God's going to get them all together, and then there's going to be a separation. There's going to be a separation of uh, the, those who have received the Spirit of God, and there's going to be a separation of those who have not received the Spirit of God. And those who have received the Spirit of God and have become his sons and his children have an inheritance with God that goes on into eternity. We become owners of things, co-heirs with Christ of things of the kingdom of God for eternity, a place that God is building with his own hands, a place without sin, a place without death, a place without suffering, depression, suicide, war, a place of eternal joyness, eternal joy, eternal happiness, uh, and eternal blessing. So this is the promise that God has for us, and Jesus is building that with his own hands right now. But for those who have not received Jesus, uh, there is a separation, and there's a separation from everything that's good as well. And, and there's a casting away into the eternal lake of fire, where there is endless suffering and endless torment, and a loneliness and a misery where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is the reality. This is the judgment. So there's going to be a judgment. Uh, you who have done the will of the Father uh, go into eternal happiness, and that you who have not, not done the will of the Father will be cast away. That was a hard teaching, but it's from Jesus himself, right? It's from Jesus himself. So, so we have this choice, right? We have this choice before us. If we're cut to the heart uh, and we want to be made right with Jesus, we have this choice. What do we do? 
what do we do? We repent, we get baptized, we receive the Spirit of God. We become like Jesus, and we live like Him. And we teach each, each other to obey everything that our Lord Jesus has commanded. Right? So that is what we do. But the, the, the option is yours. It's on the table, so I'm going to pick these up again. We're not mixing metaphors totally. But, you know, in a chess game, uh, there's rules. In a chess game, there's rules of who gets to go, when. Um, I go, and then the next person goes, and then I go, and then the next person goes, right? So, man, with God, it's like the same thing. You know, he sent, we have sinned, God has sent his son Jesus, and now it's your turn. It's up to you. You can decide if you want to repent and turn to God. And if you do, Jesus is right there. Boom. Our Lord is right there, like in the story of the prodigal son, right? Prodigal son, uh, in his sin, went off and squandered his father's wealth. And then when he, when he came to his senses, he left where he was, and he turned back to the father. And the father saw him when he was far away, and the father, right away, ran to him, ran to him, and embraced him as a son. Right? And this is what the promise of our Lord for us. So, so this is an easy way, I guess, for you guys. Um, it was a, a longer explanation for me and a tool in your belt that you can use uh, to, to explain the gospel to people. So say if somebody asks, so like, what are you guys all about? And you're at home, then you can say, well, let me show you. You grab a couple things and, and explain it. Um, or if you, if you go to get coffee with somebody and they want to know, you know, what, what do you guys believe over there at church? Or, or what is this? What do I hear about Jesus? I don't understand this story. This is a way for you. You can use stuff you got around to explain uh, the gospel. Hopefully it's clear. Hopefully it's understandable. If you find ways to do it that are better than my way, go ahead and show me. Because <laughs> um, I'm still practicing too, you know. I'm still practicing. We're all in process. But thank Jesus he doesn't give up on us. And thank Jesus that we have uh, opportunity to share his good news with people who have never heard it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, I'm going to pray. We'll have the worship team come back out. We're going to take communion together as well. Um, and uh, if, anybody, if any of you would like to pray together, we can pray together. We'll have people on the sides to pray. Um, but let's just pray right now as a congregation. So, uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have not abandoned us to death. Um, you've not abandoned Jesus to the grave, but he was raised to life, and we have a promise that we will be raised to life again too, Lord, a new heaven and a new earth. And so, God, we are so thankful for that promise. We don't live like people without hope in this world, but we live for you, God, uh, with the hope of things to come that you've promised. So we thank you for your son. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us uh, um, the tools and everything necessary to share the good news of your son, Jesus, uh, in informal ways at home and ways in coffee shops as we're talking to people on the street or friends at work or family members or on the drive home. Lord, we just, we thank you, God, uh, that you've given us the ability to do these things. Uh, we're honored by you, Lord, uh, and pray, God, that you would use us, that we would become more and more your obedient disciples uh, that look more and more like Jesus Christ, too. So we thank you, God, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've got communion here available for you to take. Uh, communion is, this, is the, the remembrance and celebration uh, that Jesus 
broke his body for us on the cross, uh, and he is the bread of life, and we, we eat of him, and uh, his, his blood was poured out, that spotless offering for us, which covers us and cleanses us uh, and is acceptable in the sight of God. And so we thank Jesus that he has done that.